the doctor's trial continues and the Valiard presents its next round of evidence. This time it centres on the planet Thoros Beta, the home world of old enemy Sil, where a scientist is conducting unethical experiments to prolong the life of Kif, Still's boss. Can the doctor stop the mad scientist from acting out his crazy experiments or will it cost him a devastating price? This is Trial of the Time Lord, parts 5 to 8, Mind Warp. Welcome to Regenerated. transferred only the contents of his mind into the brain of the woman. And what of the Earth woman's mind? Gone. Mentally, she no longer exists. And you can transfer any mind into any body? When the Earth woman's brain ages, I can transfer the mental energy and consciousness of Lord Kiv into yet another body. He need never die. Hello and welcome back to Regenerated. My name's Matt and I'm joined as always by my wonderful wife, Becky. Hi. And I know it's a bit early, but Merry Christmas, Becky. You're funny. Well, this is what is going to be kind of our Christmas and New Year's episode. So 12 days till Christmas. As we're recording it, but as it's going out, it's literally like a week. It'll be seven days, and we're having no, a little bit actually, of... actually, it'll be eight days, but, you know. And uh, as always, at this time of the year, we kind of have, like, a two- to three-week break for Christmas and New Year's, so that's why it's kind of going to be, like, uh, the Christmas episode. So, basically, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year to everyone that listens to our podcast. We really appreciate it. A uh, little bit of, um, as this is, like, the last uh, one of the year, a uh, couple of little things. Uh, 37 episodes, not including this one we've done this year. Uh, that's about 37-ish hours, because they're about 40 to 50 minutes per podcast. We started on the Horns of Nimon. That was a Tom Baker story. And I can't even remember that one. Exactly. And um, I think I was season, I'm thinking 17. So we've gone through 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22. I think we're on 20, yeah, 23 we're on now. So we've been through quite a few seasons. Mm. And we've been through three doctors. So it's been quite a big progress this year. Mm. Anyway, so uh, as we are wrapping off, um, wrapping up the podcast for the year, Becky, the 60th anniversary, it's just been and gone. We've seen the third special, which called The Giggle. So we should spend uh, not too much time because we're not really reviewing that on this one. We're reviewing parts five to eight of The Trial of the Time Lord, which is subtitled Mind Warp. Um, but yes, the 60th anniversary, the giggle with Neil Patrick Harris as the celestial toy maker. What did you think? I preferred his celestial toy maker than the original. I think it's very good. Um, you know, I think you know. I was having this discussion with someone yesterday that um, I think he's got more of a sinister quality. Mm, yes. 
and you know it's kind of like the joker-esque sort of grin and He's far more sinister than the one with William Hartnell. Yeah, I think he portrayed it quite well. Um, overall, I said I'd reserve my judgment for the 60th anniversary. I think 60 years since Doctor Who's been on our screens. Um, I said I'd reserve my judgment till I've seen them all. And I have seen them all now. And I do think it's a little bit void of an anniversary. That, that's my opinion. I don't think there was... It didn't really scream 60th anniversary to me. It just felt like three specials with David Tennant. See, now, I don't agree. I think it felt more like a 60th anniversary than ones we've seen that have been like the Five Doctors and things like that. Mm. This one, I suppose, because you had uh, Mel, who we will will meet quite shortly. She will come up soon, actually, in this season. Spoiler mm-hmm. alert. Um, so we saw Mel come back in the giggle, and we also saw obviously the Celestial Toy Maker, which was from the first um, William Hartnell era. So you could kind of say that's a bit of a tie. But yeah, I don't think like we're so used to having like three doctors, five doctors, Matt Smith, David Tennant, the War Doctor, all them sort of big, big things for the anniversaries. And I just felt this was a little bit flat. Mm. That was all, you know, that's not to take away from the fact that these serials were actually quite good. I thought they were really good. Um, but it just didn't scream anniversary to me. Anyway. Did so, to me, but then you're just weird. Yep. So, uh, 8th of May, 2022. I haven't, to be fair, you know, I haven't enjoyed a Doctor Who episode as much as them three-part specials. For quite since... a while. And I think that's also the... Um... Because, you know, I liked Peter Capaldi. I did. And I liked Matt Smith to some degree. But a lot of Matt Smith's ones were quite flat. And the same with Peter Capaldi. They just didn't have the same month as David Tennant. Mm. I think and, the you consensus know... of people that I can see online is actually people have been saying these actually been some of the best serials or mm. best episodes for quite a while. Yeah, and the ratings as well have just been crazy so um for people who haven't watched the giggle yet I'm watch gonna, it <laughs> oh yeah i'm gonna spoil it a little bit so just you know go and watch it and come back um but the 8th of may 2022 i know that's the date because we did a podcast that very day when they announced that shooty gatwa was going to be the next doctor so it's been quite a while it's been like a year and a half since they announced it we finally seen um shooty gatwa as a doctor he mm. kind of they did this funny thing where it's called a bi regeneration where they split in two, which I think is Yeah, just, but that just kind of reminded me of a, a lot of when um they say about Sheldon and the Big Bang theory and his metamorphosis that he's gonna eat so much Thai food they'll just split into two one day. And then just kind of sprang mm. to mind a lot. It I don't know. I don't know what to think about it at the minute. I haven't really processed the bi regeneration yet. Is it a cop out just to keep Dave Tennant as a doctor? I don't know. Well, I haven't really processed it. But anyway, yeah, but it come is what on. It is to be fair, happened. to be fair, you've got two David Tennants floating around now because yeah, you've exactly. got one in an alternate universe. Yeah, and now you've got the normal. And one. then you got and the, the, and the you doctor. Got, that, that then I, you got the one that's basically, you know, now kind of living in general. But that's the thing. I kind of get where they're coming from because obviously with so many companions dying and mm. losing so many people and things like that, he never had time to just basically process any of it. Mm. And, yeah. you know, it's like it got to the point of, well, why has it always got to be me? You know, I don't... So, you know, why has it always got to be me it comes to the rescue every single time? And I kind of get that quite a lot. So the fact that they did the bio-regeneration and, you know, now he can actually, you know... Mm retire so to speak and then 
you know, and Shooty Gatwa takes over as the Doctor. I'm, us, you know, you know I quite a. I don't want to spend too much time on it because this is not a review of the giggle. But I do think it's like there, there, there are more questions than answers. Um, unfortunately, it's just the way it's gone. Like, yeah. why did he regenerate into David Tennant in the first place? Or she, should I say, she regenerated into David Tennant in the first well, place. Well, we know what what happens. Well, now? they explained there, that. They explained doctors. that. There's two they explained doctors, you know, that. It's just there, there are questions because there is, but apparently they mentioned that. In that episode, because of the pure and simple fact about the amount of guilt because of losing mm. everyone and about what had happened to Donna and trying to fix it. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe uh, because... And maybe he needed to be David Tennant in order to fix Donna's... Maybe recognise you know? to Donna as well. well that's maybe what I mean. because it's a Dr. Donna and it came from that regeneration. I don't know. It, you can make your own minds up. Anyway... Um, I digressed. Uh, Shooty Gatwa as the Doctor. We've seen probably about 15 minutes of him now as the Doctor. And you can't really base it on 15 minutes. But from what I'm seeing, I think... He's got some nice thighs. Wow, you would say that, yes. Um, I think think his portrayal so far has been quite good. From what I can see, it looks like it's going to be quite interesting. Mm. It looks like it's different. I think the only thing I'm kind of having a bit of a problem with is his accent. Because one minute it sounds like really sort of... um, It's like one minute it sounds quite sort of eloquent. Mm. And then the next minute it's got a bit of the Rwanda in there, which you'd expect. But then the next minute it goes sort of cockney. And I'm like... Well, it's a doctor, isn't it? It's well, a jumble of everything. So, <laughs> which is it? The guy who sounds like he's just finished finishing school, or you know, the Cockney bit, well, and it's just like it's you know. I think I think it's going to take a little time for me to get to grips with the accent mm. a bit because I'm so used to Shooty Gatwa and Eric's accent. That is that is the point. That's and what I was it's say. just you know, it's, it's just going to take me a little while to adjust. It's I like think. everything when you see somebody as an actor in something before. See now you have that's to the put thing. That out of your mind, I, it takes a while to get that it out took your mind. Me, I know David Tennant is actually Scottish. Yeah, I know. You know, so but I never saw him in anything with his normal natural Scottish accent mm. till after Doctor Who. So to me, that felt like he was putting on a Scottish accent, yep. and even though it was the other way round. Yeah. And that just re- was really weird for me at first. So yeah. Anyway, a couple of more weeks as we're recording this and. The Not first, even that. The first uh, episode of Shitty Gatwa's Doctor for the Christmas special will Not be on. Not even that, is it really? So we'll pick that up like when 12 we pick days. Up in the new year. We'll pick that up in the podcast on the next episode and we'll say what we thought about it. It'll be a couple of weeks since it's been on, but we'll mm. we'll give our thoughts. Anyway, there's a little bit to go through. So uh, The Trial of the Time Lords, episode five to eight, which is sub, sub called Mind Warp. It was broadcast on the 4th of October to the 25th of October, 86, uh, written by Philip Martin, who, no surprising when I tell you the synopsis, actually he done Vengeance on Varos as well. And it was directed by Ron Jones, who's done Black Orchid, uh, Time Flight, Ark of Infinity, Frontius, Vengeance on Varos, again, surprisingly, and this is his last serial. And we'll quickly go through the synopsis. Uh, as the trial of the time, uh, as the trial of the Doctor continues, evidence is presented showing his most recent adventure where he faces an old advers- advers- ther- uh, adversary. That's the one. Sill, as a scientist conducting his unethical experiments to Please prolong... Please tell me that's the last time we see Sill. I've had enough well, now. Um, 
unethical experiments to prolong the life of Sills boss Kif. The doctor's memory of the events begins to return and an unpleasant surprise awaits Kif. him. What's with the Kif? Yes, it reminds me of Futurama because it's like the little alien, little alien creature thingy that's with. Yeah, I know what you mean, little black captain. thing. No, it's not. That's not Kif. Kif is the alien guy who's like green. Oh. And he's like, um, I can't remember what the captain's called, the the space adventurer guy. Yeah, that looks like he's wearing a really, really short miniskirt. Yeah, that's it. That's like and his like you sub, see, arse cheeks are going to be sub, exposed. Subordinate, is that the word? Subordinate. subordinate. Yeah, him. He's called Kif. And that's what it reminds me of. Oh. Anyway, so... I thought you were on about the little tiny black thing that runs around. So, again, as always, this is going to be a bit of a mind warp. Don't even know. I can't even remember what that name this is This is going to be a bit of a mind warp because we're going to do it in... I'll go through the plot, but the first big elephant in the room is that Becky's got her wish. We've got rid of Perry now. Perry has finally departed. Thank the friggin' Lord. So, unfortunately, she ends up having a bit of a sticky end, shall we say, and she ends up dying. Uh, again, another companion that's gone. Um, it does come back around again where there's kind of like a doubt over it, which we will go through it mm. when we get to it. But at this point in time in the story of the Trial of the Time Lord, Perry is no more. She is gone. So we'll get to the point where we find out what actually happened to her. But the first sort of, sort of uh, part five is there's not much really in it. So we can just kind of skim through it. It's kind of what I call like a, a plot setter upper is what I call it. So it sort of sets the plot for the rest of the other parts. So as uh, as we know, the Doctor's on trial for basically interference. Uh, and this is the big, big part of the um, prosecution, I would say, that this this sort of evidence is a big part of it. They basically, the Valiard shows um, is second lot of evidence where they arrive on Thoros Beta. Now I'm not sure if Thoros Beta is actually an uh, is actually mentioned in Vengeance on Varos, but it's the homeworld of the. Um, I don't think they've ever given them a name, but they're just called mentors in this one. But they're kind of like uh, what? What did we come to the conclusion that they're like? They're kind of like a lizardy sort of maggot maggoty type creature thing basically sill who we saw on vengeance on varos and we actually see a couple more of um a couple of more of his race as well like i said his the lord kif who's basically dying because they've done some mutations on his brain and his brain is basically growing but because of their skull structure it can't cope with the expansion of his brain, so it's basically gonna well, stop your brain growing. Yeah, then. so it's basically gonna crush his brain. So, well, then why? You know, that's the thing. Why keep expanding your brain? Yeah, well, it's all about experimentation. Maybe it's all about because Sills' race is basically all about profit and money. That's all he cares. Even the point where he did. Um, it reminded me of Toy Story with Sill at one point because he does like the, um, oh, what is it? Where where Andy, in Toy Story 1, where Andy's playing at the very beginning of the movie and he's playing with the toys and he's got like uh, Mr. Potato Head and he spills all the money out on the floor and he goes, oh, money, 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 money. Even Sill does that. They've nicked it. They've nicked it from this. Um, he does that. So it's all about profit and that. So maybe it's about expanding his brain so he can make more, more ideas to make more profit. I don't mm. know. Anyway, so that's basically what it is. This story is about them trying to save um, uh, Kif's life, basically, by transferring his consciousness or his brain 
into something else may it be another um mentor maggoty type creature or maybe somebody else and that's the spoiler isn't it so they arrive on this planet and this planet's like but he says it's a bit funky because the colors are a little weird they've obviously messed about with the color saturations mm-hmm. here to make it a little bit more of an alien world and yeah yeah but that's the thing they kind of had it like where they landed and it was like a green sky and like pink water and things like that and really pretty looking and then they spent most of it underground yeah i know and it's just like what's the point just really set the mood i think so basically what's brought the doctor here is he's got this weapon which was given to him by a warlord of tholodon and basically it's been made here so he said he's come here to find out how the warlords obtained the technology that's that's the prelude to why they're here um they entered obviously as these caves where they're quickly attacked by something that's called a rock that's which is kind of like a, a sea creature. With loads it looks of, like a slug with a lot of teeth. Yeah, with loads of teeth and that. The Doctor ends up attacking it, and then they are basically captured and interrogated uh, by Sill and his, basically, cronies, shall we call them. Um, mm. So while they're in this like laboratory, there's also another person in there, which is called King Yukanos, who's played by Brian Blessed. Now, Brian Blessed, what do you think of Brian Blessed as an actor? Loud. Loud, yes. And they even make that joke in this series. And people say that I'm loud, but even he gives me a headache. Yes. I do find that Brian and Blessed... And yes, I talk a lot, and I may, but I'm not loud, loud. Hmm. I do think that... Um, I swear, you're louder than me when you've had a drink. Well, I do think that Brian Blessed's character is louder than You're louder than me when you're sober. I do think Brian Blessed's characters that he plays are are just basically loud, loud and loud. Especially this character as well. Yeah, but why would you hire Brian Blessed and basically turn out and say, oh, you've got to be quite a quiet character? Mm. You just wouldn't do it. Yeah, and there's even a hint at... um, Yukanos and Perry as a romantic couple as well. He says at one point about Queen and all this, that and the other. And I think to myself, I mm, don't really know if I see them two together. It's a bit strange. Um, mm. So, yeah, he's kind of like a, a warlord. To be honest, you probably ended up deaf in the first five minutes. Yeah, that's it. Um, so he's kind of like a warlord character who's kind of big, big influence on just basically thumping people in the stomach and mm. cracking them over the neck to get people out of situations where they need to escape. Anyway, so that is basically the first first part. It's just basically, like I say, a setter-upper. So, you know, Sills introduced. Also, they introduce um, the, the Doctor who's uh, involved in all the experiments. Um, I can't remember what his name is in at the minute. Uh, I can't really see what it is. What is it? Is it? Uh, is it Koza? I think it's Koza. I think that's what yeah. his name is. Um, he's basically the guy who's trying to do the sort of the transference, as it were. So they interrogate the doctor at one point because uh, this uh, Rark was a part of an experiment by Koza. And it, oh, that's Becky sneezing on the podcast. My fault. Fine. Are you alright now? Yeah. You didn't lose anything in, in that, did you? No, just off my brain. Okay. 
Well, are you sure you're going to be all right to do the rest of the podcast then? Could be an idiot. Now you've only got no brain. You've lost the half you had. Don't be an ass. <laughs> Merry Christmas, mate. Um, so yeah, so they questioned the doctor because they've done like a, a brain swap or whatever it is, and they they want to know whether or not it attacked them or they attacked it. Because if it attacks them, then there's a problem with the splicing, and then they have to sort of change and modify it. Anyway, that's kind of the end. Um, so the next part, part six, they basically king Yakano. So he wakes. He's he's in the lab. He's in like uh, he's kind of like in a sedated um, state. But because when the doctor come in, he pulled all the wires out of the equipment. Anyway, he ends up waking and destroying the equipment. He overpowers the guards. He disparts the lab. Laboratory, much typical angry Brian Blessed. Yeah, basically. Followed by basically a stunned Doctor and Perry. Because he's had this sort of mind uh, interrogation thing where he's in pain, for three quarters of this serial now, he's kind of now... He's kind of on the... I'm, I'm on the fence because... They keep going back to the courtroom like they do, which obviously, but he said last time was a bit irritating. It is a little bit frustrating, but it's kind of a little bit, it's used a bit better in this serial than it was the last one, I feel. Um, and there's a kind of a doubt, they say, over this because he's got this fogginess where he's kind of like a turncoat where he kind of turns his back on Perry and everything. And he joins Sill and the doctor to try and help uh, with this transference. And in the courtroom, he says he was playing. Uh, in the courtroom, he says he doesn't have a memory of what happened after he got zapped by the sort of mind probe thing uh, for a little while. And then it, it slowly comes back to return where he says that the, what they're seeing on the screen is the events. But there's a convolute, a convolute is that the word to it and it doesn't seem to be right to what he remembers. Yeah. And he's saying that basically it's a ploy. He's doing this as a ploy to... You know, wind trust, yep, and all that. So we're kind of left on the fence. We don't really know, as the viewer, whether or not this is the doctor who's just been affected. His brain's just been a bit scrambled, and he is actually being a bit of a turncoat here, or is he actually doing a ploy? We don't actually know. So there's a bit of doubt there, and I'm not sure if that is inadvertently put into it for what's coming in the future. I'm not really too sure, but it does seem a bit strange, and I don't really know. Anyway, so. Uh, Yukanus outlines his plans to attack the mentors. The doctor says he would enjoy that and then then collapses. The doctor tells the Inquisitor that he cannot remember these events. The Valiard tells him he is in for a surprise if this is true. So that's when they went back to the court um the courtroom. Yukanus, uh, the doctor and Perry go where new slaves are brought into the base. Yukanus plans to attack the guards and steal their weapons, but as he sneaks into the room, the doctor calls out to the guards, giving him away. Yukanus, unable to fight the guards, flees. Perry points a weapon at Sill and asks the doctor for help, but he ignores her. Perry drops the weapon and flees after Yukanus um after Yukanus still asks the doctor why he helped the mentors and he replies that the odds were on their side. Um, Perry comes into uh, comes across Matrona Carney, who's basically like a slave servant ringleader, and she sort of um, swallows Perry up into the slaves to help her. So with basically with a little choice open to Perry, she accepts. Uh, covered with a veil, she enters the commerce room with Kiff's medication. The doctor asks her to get him a drink, so she disguises her voice to avoid being recognised. When she brings him a new drink, the Doctor uncovers her and denounces her as the enemy to the mentors. So we're supposed to believe this is all a plot, uh, uh, a ploy by the Doctor. Um, 
that he's supposed to give her away and put her into danger, which is a little bit strange. Again, like I say, as the viewer, we're kind of put into doubt as to what is actually happening. Uh, the doctor tells the courtroom that what they are seeing is all part of his ploy. He says he planned to gain the mentor's trust so that he would be allowed to interrogate, interrogate her alone, giving them the chance to escape. Basically, they apprehend her. They say she's a spy. They end up wanting to interrogate her. So they tie her to this rock that's uh, basically in the ocean, kind of. And I've read that actually Nicola Bryant didn't actually like this bit. She actually hated filming this bit because she's got, I think it's a phobia of the sea. So she didn't actually really like this bit or a phobia of water or something like that anyway. And that's kind of... Um, uh, where are we? So she basically asks why he's behaving. The doctor tells her that Koza is planning to put Kif's brain into his body unless he can help them. Koza stops the interrogation, saying that they have more effective methods of extracting the truth from Perry. As they re-empted the complex, Zucanus attacks the guards and threatens to kill the doctor because obviously he's a turncoat and he puts like a revenge pact on his back. And that's the end of part six. So part seven, however, Perry smashes the gun from Yukana's hands, allowing the Doctor to flee. Back in the courtroom, the Doctor begins to suspect that aspects of the Matrix recordings have been altered to portray him as a more negative light. In Koza's laboratory, the scientists prepare the transplant ki to transplant Kif's brain into a recently deceased uh, mentor corpse. With the help of Doctor, the operation proves successful. Um, quickly, I'll interject there because uh, I haven't talked about Kif. Um, I don't know if you recognise who Kiff is, Becky. I don't know if you're probably familiar. I don't know you are familiar with him, but I don't know if you could tell. I don't know. It's been really bugging me. Then. Well, it was played by Christopher Ryan, who was actually uh, in The Young Ones as Mike, for people who are fans of The Young Ones, uh, sitcom, alternative comedy sitcom from the 80s, I think it was, uh, featuring Christopher Ryan, Nigel Planer, Adrian Edmondson and Rick Mayall as the four students in the flat. Mike was the cool guy, as they sort of say. And he was also in um, Absolutely Fabulous as well. Oh, yeah, I know uh, that. And he's been in other bits as well, pieces that he, he appears in some things when he's playing Kiff in this one. Uh, meanwhile, Yukonis, Perry and Dorf, who is this... Mut um, he, he is mutated, isn't he? I'm guessing he's mutated. Because they don't recognise him. And Yukonis, uh he actually recognises him, kind of. But he's like sort of half wolf, half dog, half man. And I've got to admit, the makeup was really, really quite good on um, the actor who played Dorf. It was really quite good. They do meet him previously in, um, I think it was Serial 6 or 5. But we then find out that actually he is um, one of the warlord people that Yukanus is part of anyway um they team up uh, with members of the alfian resistance uh tuza the leader of the rebels is initially suspicious but upon uh who but upon who Yukanus is he agrees to allow Yukanus to lead them in an in an attack on the mentors they go to the resistance arm dump they ambush by the mentors guards and shot down watching these events on the matrix screen in the time lord's courtroom the doctor protests that he was not responsible the valiard however replies in your mind perhaps not but in reality it's somewhat different doctor the doctor looks perturbed and that's the end of part seven now in this part what do you think do you think the doctor is responsible partly because they're 
I think their defense of it or the, their prosecution of it is that if the doctor hadn't been there, that wouldn't have happened. Probably. Which you've got to think if the doctor hadn't arrived, then maybe Yukarnas would never have been freed. But what would happen to him? You know, do you think that the, in this uh, this situation, the doctor saved Yukarnas's life at that point, or you know, it is a bit of a it is a bit of um. Yeah, it's a bit of a head scratcher, to be fair, as to if the Doctor is responsible for events that he's not present at. Does he yeah, but at the end of the day, it's like sort of being in the wrong place at the wrong time, you know. Is it all cause and effect? If the Doctor hadn't been there, then maybe these events wouldn't have played out like they did. Yeah, but then the slaves wouldn't have been freed. And then if he'd have... He could have easily found, you know, if he hadn't used Perry, mm. he could have probably used someone else, done exactly the same thing, and then no one would have been killed, and then they could have ended up ruining the whole thing. Yeah. So, so at least with the Doctor there to basically release um, Brian Blessett's character, yeah. at least then, you know, they had a chance to get rid of them, because otherwise, without that, they could have just completely you know they might like i said they may not have used they may not use perry's body they could have just used someone else and yep. they could have ended up basically completely screwing with science and you know and people's mortality yeah um so yeah we're kind of left uh, at the end of part seventh and the doctor is left thinking that you know perry and yukanos and the other members of the resistance are all dead basically mm. but we find out that actually they've just merely be, been stunned and basically taken to cells while they're locked lo while they're locked up perry and you kind of start to develop this affectionate feelings for each other which is a bit strange because it doesn't look like it <laughs> to me um she basically explains the concept of love to him um you know and we're supposed to believe that these two are falling in love with each other it, it, well no i don't think it's a case of her falling for him i think that's more of a case of he didn't know what love is mm. but then i think when he you know actually heard she was in danger i think it's more of then you actually realize what you've got yeah yeah so you in, know in Coza's laboratory lord kift is rambling due to the body of the fisherman's influence in his brain uh Koza makes plans to transform transfer the brain into another more suitable body and matron carney suggests using perry the doctor says he would prefer that she is not experimented on but while he is trying to find another candidate Koza decides to examine perry anyway as perry is taken from the cell she shares a fine a final fond moment with yukanus briefly holding his hand before being escorted to the laboratory after arriving at the induction sector induction center the doctor finds Tuza being held in a cubicle in preparation for a mind control implant to be installed because previously he was partly um thought of as being a, a candidate for the mind swap um but they thought no we'll just put him into mind control implant implantation can't say that. implantation yeah. um promising to help Tuza, the doctor persuades frax to take him to yukonus which is the guard, basically, for the mentors. In the laboratory, the results of Coza's initial examinations of Perry prove promising, and he begins to prepare for some angiotin tests, or blood tests, basically. Recognising this is a blood test, a confused and worried Perry protests that she is not marrying anyone. Don't know why she says that. That's a bit of a strange one. I don't really understand that at all. Uh, just 
a weird, weird thing I to think an to. antigen test is more about the fact of making sure you ain't got no, you know, diseases. It's a bit, it's just a bit strange that she would say, well, I'm not marrying anyone. I just think it's a bit of a weird comment. Anyway, approving of Perry's spirit and strength, Koza remarks. Yeah, but there have been times where people do that for, like, to get married to someone and oh, things right. like that. They did that with... Mm. um princess diana and they do that with a lot of people marrying into the royal family and stuff like that Mm. which is more more known of now than i think um a lot of people you know a lot of people don't do it now in general Mm. but you know it's more predominant in the royal family like there was rumors saying that you know they even had um diana's fertility checked and things like that as well maybe Maybe we don't know. We're not really privy to them sort of information. Oh no, there was a, there was a whole rumor that saying rumors, the doctor, the doctor who carried out the examination, took some of her eggs, and mm. obviously Charles had to have the same thing done, and that she has a secret daughter in America that she don't yeah. even, you know, that no one even know about. Who knows? Who but, knows? You know. Anyway, <laughs> approving of Perry's spirit and strength, Koza remarks that he will try to. Rest- those personality traits of her if at all possible Perry Express grow, expression grows more anxious she silently wonders what exactly Koza has planned for her the doctor goes to Yukonis' cell and tricks Frax allowing Yukonis and Dorf to escape a puzzled Yukonis is initially suspicious but the doctor is unable to convince the king that there are that they are on the same side while Sil is assisting Kif uh, what, with Sil assisting him Kiff begins his business negotiations with the Porsche-Porsche-Porsche-Enians. Porsche, whatever it is, I'd, it's really difficult word. Anyway, a delegate, mm. and he, unfortunately, due to still suffering after effects from the brain transplant, a confused Kiff mistakenly manages to negotiate a fish concession with the ambassador. Even though Sill points out that Kiff hates fish because uh, the person they put his brain into is basically a fisherman. That's and he kept them personality traits. Perry is lying flat on an examination bed with a pillow with medical sensors attached to her forehead. She's initially <laughs> pleased to hear that the results of Koza's test have found her to be fit and healthy. However, while Perry unsuspecting atten- unsuspecting attention is on Koza, the matron- matro- matrona proceeds to buckle restrained strap around her arms and waists, securing her to the table because obviously they're going to prep her for the transplant that she's not really aware. So she's taken by surprise. She angrily exclaims, hey, but her protests are then immediately muffled when Carney stuffs a cotton swab into her mouth, gagging her. Mm. Which you've got to feel... Well, I don't think that's more of a cotton swab in her mouth gagging her. I think that's got like some sort of like um, chloroform or that sort of stuff on it so it drugs her. So she's, you know... Mm. You've got, to feel, you've got to feel a sense of um, a sense of concern from Perry. You've got to think, you know, there is a sense of um, uh, sympathy on the part of her because she is literally helpless. You know, she's not knowing what the hell's mm. happening. She don't know what's, if anything, if anyone's coming to help her or anything like that. And it's kind of like, you know, when you think about people like sadly in this world that, you know, are put into situations like this, you know, mm. it, it must be absolutely terrifying and absolutely, you know, just you must feel so hopeless that you can't do anything to, to escape or survive it. You mm. know. Anyway, Koza then secures the swab in place by wrapping a wide red 
a wide red bandage over her lips and lower face. As Koza uh, finishes fastening the bandages in place, he informs the struggling Perry that she is perfect for what he believes will be his finest experiment. Returning to the induction centre, the Doctor, Yukanus, and Dorf overpower the guards and free Tuza. They they set off to liberate the slaves from the mentor's mind control implants, much to the annoyance of the aged mentor who cannot stand Yukanus's bellowing. He's kind of like sitting there in the back of shop. Um, and he, like I say, this is what I said earlier about Brian Bessett being a loud actor, like character. He actually makes a, makes, it's kind of like an in, in joke, I would say about Brian Bessett being quite loud because he is quite loud in everything he does. So I don't know if they put that in there on purpose anyway. In the laboratory, Perry is secured, strapped down and gagged. She looks questioningly up at Koza as he silently ponders his next move regarding her. Koza looks to Matrona and instructs her to shave Perry's head as he decides to attempt direct transference. So he's basically going to directly transfer Kif's brain into her. Anyway, the Doctor's group heads towards the control room from where all the slaves are mentally controlled. It's succeeded in freeing the slaves from mental control, but Dorf is killed by the passing guard. As the complex descends into chaos, the Doctor, Yukanus, and Tuza head to the lab to rescue Perry, but the Doctor ends up getting lost in the crowd of confused slaves. Perry is basically then fully prepared. She has all her hair shaved off. Obviously, it's the worst ball cap in the world because you can see that she's obviously got a cap on her head that's hiding all their hair and um, the bumps underneath yeah and it's probably the worst thing but it, i just feel there's something there's just something about that image that's quite as far as doctor who goes it's quite shocking mm. you know to see a companion having all their heads shaved off you know and just they don't really show much just, of anything just a, it's like a sort of violation of they don't really show anything that's the thing yeah they show is um basically cutting about that much of her hair off yeah but you know what i mean it's just like the image of having it you know it's just, you know, like having a companion been violated in such a way that we've, I don't think we've ever seen, you know, we've seen people, we've seen companions die, but in this way, you know, it's quite a, it's quite a shocking image, I feel, that we've seen. Anyway, uh, the, uh, the Matrona finishes connecting wires and electrodes to the helmet and just declares that all is ready as Lord Kift is taken to the laboratory for medical procedure to begin. As the doctor heads toward the lab, the TARDIS suddenly appears in the hallway. The doctor is drawn backwards into it, like on self-control, uh, on uh, sort of mental control, or he's controlled basically back into the TARDIS and it takes off, basically heading for the spaceship. So again, the doctor was running to help Perry, but at that point, the High Council put him on trial and they called him to basically that's the prelude to the courtroom that we're now seeing as this is where they basically picked him up in time and space to be begin this trial. Yeah. Also, something I quickly mention as well um, about the Doctor. The Doctor has two looks in this season. Um, in the pri previous... when when oh, all right, I'll, I'll break it down. So in the courtroom, he has a cavat, which is red. So... He's wearing that sort of like tie thingy. Do you know what a cravat is? Because is it? like a tie where it's like two bits that are tied together, like he that's has. It is, that's it? not. That's, that's more like an ascot. That's not a cravat. Right. Okay. Well, whatever it is, it's it's red when he's in the courtroom and when he's here. A cravat here. is something people normally traditionally wear when they're basically wearing coat and tails. Mm-hmm. And that sort of thing to a wedding. Yeah, well, anyway, the thing he's wearing around his neck. Which you never wore a cravat because you never... I don't even think 
you know, you just wore a tie. Well, whatever it is. When he's in the courtroom and... You probably wouldn't have even known how to do a cravat. When he's in the courtroom and this cereal, he's wearing a red one. When it's in the past, it's his old blue, his turquoisey one. That's mm-hmm. a little change that I don't, I don't know if you noticed or not. Anyway, so this is where he's been picked out of time. So now Perry's basically on her own. She is... You know, the operation in the lab is shown to have been successfully complete as the Matrona gently removes the transfer helmet from Perry's shaved head. Koza proclaims that he has altered the basis of his future life instead of surgically implanting Kiff's brain into Perry's bald body. I like how it's written. Um, Koza has successfully transferred the contents of Kiff's mind into Perry's brain. Although Perry is still physically alive, she's effectively been basically brainwashed into becoming Kiff. And he says, uh, and it says with her original memories, and personality have basically been erased and her mind now a perfect copy of the mentor leaders as perry begins to stir from a state of sleep koza states that mentally the person she once was no longer exists koza fully explains that when perry's brain eventually ages he can then transfer kiff's consciousness into another body meaning that the mentor leader may never die so it's kind of like once he's old enough perry's body is basically obsolete and we'll just get rid of it so that's even sadder you know um that they've just basically erased her from existence. So effectively her body's there, but her mind's gone. So effectively she's just, she's died. That's what it is. As Shikonis prepares to attack the lab laboratory, the Time Lords capture him in a time bud- bubble so that his attack is perfectly timed to destroy Koza's work. In the lab, uh, Perry, who used to... Uh, Perry opens her eyes to her brain now completely possessed by the mind of Kiff. Her voice has been altered. The American accent is now gone and is replaced by a more distorted one similar to a mentor. Delighted with the result of the transference, Perry, who's basically Kiff now, revels in her new warm-blooded female form. Upon catching sight of her old memnus body, Kiff expresses his her revulsions because he's now changed uh, and orders it to be destroyed. Koza gently lies her back on the bed and assures her that it is already dead. He welcomes the mentor leader to her new body while Sill laminates that Koza could not find a more attractive host body for Kif. He's got this thing where he just calls her a really unattractive human human female or something so he's a bit repulsed at her mm. look. Um, the time bubble dissipates and Yukanus bursts into the laboratory firing upon Sill. Upon seeing Yukanus um Basically, Perry slash Kiff sits up and commands the guards to protect her, causing a horrified Yukanus to realise that he has arrived too late to save Perry from Koza's experiment. Consumed with fury and despair, Yukanus begins firing his gun wildly, seemingly killing Perry and the others in the process. Then that's kind of the end of that seri- uh, serial, that story. We then go back to the courtroom where the doctor is basically shot by what he's seen. And the Inquisitor and the Valiard tell him that it was necessary to end Perry's life to prevent the disastrous consequences of Coase's experiment. The doctor, awash with rage, insists that he was taken out of time for basically another reason. And he declares that he's going to find out why. And then that's the end of that serial. Then we go into the next for parter which will be next time so um parts five to eight or mind warp if you were saw the end of perry i think you made it very quite clear what you thought of perry as a companion yep she's been there since uh peter davison mm-hmm. and it's now the end so she was first in um what was it on the fly a planet of the a planet of fire that was where we first see her. Um, 
and yeah, this is this is the end of Perry. Um, not in my opinion. I, I kind of I do sort of kind of agree with you, Becky. I don't think she's the best companion we've had. She's very much a damsel in distress. Whiny. She was never really a you know a uh, a fighter, shall we say? Just whiny as hell. You know, it's just yeah. She, in my opinion, she won't be missed. It's tragic what happens to the character, but she won't be missed, in my opinion. So, uh, parts five to eight, Becky, what did you think of this little sequence for the trial of the time? Well, it was better than the last part. Yeah, I think this is a good one. This one um, is, yeah, definitely better than the last, um, the last one to four, or what was it called? Mysterious Planet. It's pretty much an average story, though. Yeah, and that is what it is. The Mysterious Planet was the Mysterious Planet. But yeah, it's definitely better. Um, and it, it had more of a story. You see, I don't know, you, you say about, oh, let's hope this is the last time we see St- Syl. I actually like Syl as a as a villain. I thought he's a really good villain. Mm, I think, I'm just bored of it now. I think, unfortunately, um, they, they didn't I'm just, really I'm just use really, him enough, I don't think. I'm just really bored of him as a villain now. They could, I would say they could potentially bring him back. I don't know if they do. Um, I don't know if he's a new who or anything like that, but um, as far as I know, this might be the last appearance of Syl. Um, so uh, he's obviously he's been in some books and stuff like that, but uh, I don't think it. Yeah, I think this is it for Syl. So Mark Campbell's episode guide—that's the next thing to go through. So parts five to eight: verdict, excellent music imaginative design a stunning final cliffhanger which you can't deny and the presence of sill makes this a memorable tale of the supporting cast top marks goes to thomas branch as the low the luco seer i don't know nine out of ten i don't even know what that character is mm. i can't even remember what that character was no idea Anyway, so yeah, nine out of ten. So it is quite high. I think it is out of this season. It's the I would say probably the one that stands out to me as probably the best. I do think it's better than Vengeance on Varos, even though I like Vengeance on Varos as a story. I actually really like that serial, but I do think this one is better. Um, I just think it has more, and there's more jeopardy in it, and it's also. Uh, you know, it's also jeopardy from the point of view that the doctor is very, very hopeless in this one. There's no hope for him whatsoever. He has to watch his companion die, and he has no, he has no, there's no, no help, is there? Mm-hmm. You know, he can't help. He can't stop it. And you know, I think when you put the doctor in a vulnerable position, I think they're always the better stories, um, because maybe the actors have more to act. I don't know, but yeah. So next. Next will be 9 to 12, mm. um, which is sub-called The Terror of the Vor, the, vor, the Vervoids. So we are going to get, um, obviously, the thing is, it's no spoiler, but once you lose one companion, you normally get another one. So we will get a new companion. And as I've said before, it is Mel. We do get Melanie Bush. She comes into it next. Mm. So... That's it for the year, Becky. That's regenerated, done for another year. And this time next year, when we go through this part of it, when we wrap up for a year, we'll be on to New Who, I think. It's looking more unlikely now that we'll be on to the New Who. 
because if we're going through 37 episodes roughly a year yeah it's gonna be there isn't it because i don't think there's 37 episodes mm. so next year we will get through the rest of the trial we will say goodbye to colin baker we'll talk a bit about what happened to colin baker's end of his tenure about his firing and stuff like that and what actually happened we'll then go into sylvester mccoy who had three seasons i'm thinking uh, and new companion ace as well we finally meet up with ace a different kind of companion what we've got to go through we've got then got the uh the eighth doctor's movie which is just called doctor who the movie which is a little bbc thing then we'll go into new who with christopher eccleston so we could go through four doctors potentially potentially five doctors next year we'll have to see we might end it on mm. david tennant so that's what i'm thinking we'll have to see what happens obviously life gets in the way and sometimes see you know the podcast doesn't really roll it mm. has to have a break but yeah it's probably gonna be a two to three week break and we will pick it up in the new year so like i said at the beginning it's a merry christmas and a happy new year to everyone who's supported and continues to listen we appreciate it thanks for all the support this year and we'll continue next year basically that will go until we get up to date i think mm. is what the consensus is then it's a dip in isn't it every now and again we might do it but this podcast could go on indefinitely because doctor who could go on forever yeah the format is it could go on forever so we'll have to see what happens so anyway I think it's time to wrap up the podcast for 2023. So what do you think this year? What are your thoughts of what we've seen this year? I know it's been, we've seen a lot and there's a lot to remember, but. Oh, to be honest, I can't even remember. Yeah. Um, a few weeks ago, let alone the beginning of the year. Say. Well, we've gone through um, quite a bit. We've gone through the rest of Tom Baker to Peter Davison to now Colin Baker. And we're near enough got through Colin Baker, you know, two serials and he's um, done. So, yeah we've done quite a lot there's been quite a bit of progress yeah so anyway i think we'll leave it there won't we anything you would like to say to listeners not really oh, <laughs> not even a merry christmas a happy new year then. you've already said it so oh, i'll say it from the good. both of us then becky you shy no oh okay when anyway. have i ever been known to be shy let's say thank you all for listening and we'll see you next year so i'll say goodbye and say goodbye becky bye-bye bye-bye <laughs> Yeah! <laughs>